Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. You take the skyway High above the busy little one-way In my stupid hat and gloves at night I lie awake Wondering if I'll sleep Wondering if we'll meet out in the street Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting as Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan, right from Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd Express, and to do the Milwaukee's Tailgate podcast, though not this week due to work. Um, this is our wrap-up of the t- just terrible Minnesota Vikings game, meaning it was a good game, but the Vikings are terrible, going into the pseudo-buy that is the Detroit Lions. And uh, before we get started and I do intros, I just wanted to mention um, I was on Carry the G with AJ Dillon over at Cheesehead TV this week, like Matt was a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to append a little bit of that interview to the end of this. So when this podcast ends, if you want to hear me talking to AJ Dillon, continue to listen. Um, I'm st- uh, It was fine. I did, I did okay. But I'm not a natural interviewer. But, you know, still fun. Anyway. <laughs> uh uh, let's let's get into let's get into the actual games here. So first of all, joining me as always, um, reclined comfortably in urban Wauwatosa, we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Paul, give yourself a little credit. You asked some good questions. You got some great answers out of uh, out of AJ Dillon. I was I was very impressed. But I do also feel like this is a big step for you because you have vowed in the past to stay away from talking to the athletes themselves you yeah know, they're, they're, you like kind of that insulation so this is a little bit out of your comfort zone and i i love so it it's out of my comfort zone for a bunch of reasons uh zach jacobson was on too and he he went first in that and he started by bringing up all of the analytics people who say things like running backs don't matter to aj Dillon, which i thought was <laughs> we don't know any of those i don't know i was like i was just setting me up for a trap am i going to get into a fight but no that didn't happen fortunately and uh, I'll give also thanks to, to Aaron and Corey for having me on. And also some credit to them. I uh, you submit questions in advance. You know, I assume AJ is there with some conditions that they have to deal with. And um, I sent a bunch of questions, some of which were, I would say, slightly controversial and some of which were not. And um, they actually, I think, let me keep a couple that I thought they might kill. So uh, appreciate that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it was fun. It was good. I never talked to professional athletes ever. So it was a, it was an interesting thing to do. Anyway, um, Matt is also with us, who can now introduce himself. <laughs> uh, coming at you live from Kansahoma, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub, uh, Acme Packing Company Meme Weaver, and General Twitter Rabble Riser. Guess what I learned today? What'd you learn, Matt? I am half the distance to Amarillo, Texas, versus the distance to my home. Wow. That's If that describes how middle of nowhere Kansas I am. When Amarillo is your reference point, that is the middle of nowhere, just generally speaking. So I'm, but yes, I am twice as close to Amarillo, Texas, as I am to Colorado Springs, Colorado. You could be in Amarillo by morning. No. You don't know that song, do you? <laughs> you, you I know that song. Stop. I don't believe you. <laughs> it's not Old the, school country. It's the second best song about Amarillo. Um, 
is this the- Paul what is the best song about Amarillo the- I believe it's called is this the way to Amarillo uh, I could sing it but I'm not going to um, <laughs> it's an old like 50s or 60s pop bubblegum pop song it's pretty good up in San Antonio <laughs> maybe not if JR singing it that's fine everything that I got alright I'm done yep is this the way to Amarillo? Is this Came the way to November nineteen seventy one? Seventy one. It sounds like a six, late sixties song to me. So that's. Fine. I mean, early seventies might as well be late. 60s. That's true. That's true. Very similar. In in the exact same way that songs that came out in two thousand one feel so painfully nineties. Yeah. Is this the way to Amarillo has a lot of good like a good na 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 chorus that really sticks. <laughs> it's got a good na 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 chorus. Okay. So I object hey, to n- your <laughs> use of the term painfully nineties. I don't. I don't subscribe to that at all. Well, we're old, so it's... <laughs> Listen here, you jixer. <laughs> uh, hey, you know why I'm reclining comfortably? Because the Green Bay Packers have the one seed locked up. They do. Thanks to the Dallas Cowboys and their own, you know, extraordinarily lopsided victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. And also their above-average special teams. Yeah. Incredible. All kinds Incredible. of things going on. Uh, everything coming up Packers that could not have gone better for them <laughs> in terms of how the weekend went. Like, the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals um, just, just barely, but they did. The Buccaneers just just exploded into nothingness as a franchise and uh and still won still won also can we take some chance, but yeah can we take some schadenfreudic yeah is that a word schadenfreudic it is now okay take some schadenfreudic pleasure in the loss of the cowboys specifically because mike mccarthy mismanaged their time sure did <laughs> they could have used one more of those Oh, from the times. from the original German Schaden Richard, um. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a fun time when Dallas comes back to uh, to Lambeau Field in the divisional round. They because, still, uh, they scare me the most because just the pain of losing to them would be terrible, and even it would be something it would even beside that loss. Like McCarthy's really their only big weakness. Like yeah, Dak's not perfect, but he's pretty good. Yeah, losing Michael Gallup to injury is tough. That's, That's an true. interesting oh, wrinkle. Yeah, well, also an terif- insane injury there because the catch he made tearing up his ACL was incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor guy. What what terrifies me about Dallas is Michael Parsons. I mean yep. he. He's not a traditional edge rusher that the Packers have been very good at neutralizing. He comes from everywhere. Yep, that terrifies me. Yeah, it's uh, their defense is scary. They're good, but we don't have to worry about them for a while. They might even get knocked out before we face them because we have the one seed and get a bye and get to rest people against the Lions next week because who cares? Um, so the first note you have in the rundown is Sean Mannion. Um. Yes. Uh, so it's it, well okay so just getting back to the Vikings game I don't know what to say about the Vikings game because Sean Mannion's just just awful one of the worst quarterbacking performances I've ever seen in my life uh, and I don't know why they went with him Kellen Mond certainly were the shots if that's what you're bringing out there um, but like it, it, I'm glad the Packers won I'm glad they had an easy time I'm glad nobody got hurt um, but you know I like to learn something about the team during games and I mean you know, there's nothing you learned about the Packers in this game other than, I guess, they can stop a running attack if there's absolutely no threat of a pass, which is, I guess, is something. That's it, though. That's all I got. But even then, so, like, it was, like, there was a there's a screenshot that I absolutely love from the end zone angle. It's fourth and one for uh, Minnesota, and the Packers have their D-line completely spread out. Like, they're literally oh, yes. giving up the QB sneak. They sure are. That was a great, <laughs> great, great, great screenshot. Oh, yeah, so we got to see Mannion on the move a little bit. Uh, I mean, big guy, so you wouldn't expect him to be fleet of foot. But when he got his one like major rushing attempt, painful to watch. I mean, oh my gosh, 
Mannion on the move sounds like a really good fantasy team name or a really bad podcast. I think it's also it's a really bad fantasy team name is what it is. I uh, talk about I mean I think at this point most people have heard the soundbite Mike Zimmer talking about Kellen Mond after the game. Like, do you <laughs> want to see more from him? No, I see him in practice. I mean that's not just throwing your quarterback under the bus. That is. As it, <clears throat> That's like driving the bus over him and then backing up to make sure you get him again. Little, I mean, that that's independent of not letting Kellen Mond throw more in this game when you saw what Sean Mannion brought to the table. He clearly does not want Kellen Mond on his football team. Incredible like, stuff. There's also reports coming out that that uh, Zimmer was like talking crap about signing Cousins back in 2018. Yep. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a marriage doomed to fail. Wow. There's yep, all kinds so, of problems in Viking land right now. Um, aside from all that, yes, there's also a, a nice article in The Defector this week uh, focusing on nepotism, which we discuss on this podcast quite often, and specifically focusing on the Vikings. When We've mentioned their offensive coordinator is Clint Kubiak, but uh, they had to replace their defensive coordinator midseason, and they um, they promoted co-coordinators, one of which is Mike Zimmer's son. <laughs> so one of the co-defensive coordinators for the Vikings right now uh, is is uh, I forget Mike Zimmer's son's name, which I should have written in the rundown. But a bunch of anonymous players were interviewed for it and were not happy about it because he's not qualified because he hasn't been a coach that long. Adam, uh, Adam, yes, Adam Zimmer. Um, so also Adam Zimmer looks like every used car salesman working at his dad's dealership. What was the number? It was like, was it 114 coaches on NFL staffs yeah. that are related in some way to other coaches? Yes. I mean, that was Either a father, that was son, brother, or married to, or, you know, in law with. And just an eye popping number. That's yeah. incredible. And there was only one franchise that had no nepotistic coaches on their, on their team. I forget who it was, but it was either the Cardinals or the Falcons. But uh, we know it's not the Packers. So. No. <laughs> and, and so, like, um, Andre Patterson was also promoted to core defensive coordinator, and he has like 16 years of experience as an NFL coordinator and a bunch of other experience as a college coordinator and college position coach, and um, is also African-American. Uh, obviously, Mike Zimmer's son is not African-American, so it did not sit well with a bunch of the Vikings, and they're just they're not in a good spot right now. Officially eliminated from the playoffs after this loss. Uh, man, lot, wow, you hate to see it. Um, you know, we <laughs> joked about the special teams right there, but I don't know if it was a joke. That might be the biggest takeaway. I think you could look at the defense. I mean, it's not like they were missing a ton of guys on defense. On, uh, off- sorry. on You could look at the Packers' uh, offense versus the defense. It's not like they, the Vikings were missing a ton of guys. But, True. but David Moore was an interesting revelation. Now he's out on, he's in the COVID list now, so we may not see him against the lions, which is a shame, but uh, a guy who was added, you know, t- a practice squad guy elevated looks so co- the eye test tells you so confident yes. catching kicks, which is so different than what they've had with Amari Rogers. It's really, I mean, this might actually be a thing on a small sample. Is that possible? I, uh, watching yes. him was like actually I literally had a jaw dropping moment watching him return his first punt just because the bar is so low. It, oh it is gosh. so low. It looks so natural. Like everybody else looks so clunky back there. Even Randall so, Cobb doesn't look quite right. Uh, so, so I tweeted, take all my tweets about Tyler Irvin signing from a couple years ago and just put David Moore in there instead. <laughs> and somebody and, did it. And somebody did it. They said, <laughs> the, the original tweet was 2019 Tyler Irvin is 2010 James Starks. My column. But like, 
yeah. 20, 2021 David Moore is 2010 James Starks. But assuming they don't do something stupid and like try to make Amari <laughs> Rogers happen because he'll be playing in, in this game, like this this fixes a big problem. Punt ret- you know, all of special teams is a disaster and their punt return is one of the bigger disasters and he lo- he just looked so good and um the other thing about David Moore is he's a little bit of a straight line burner. So if MVS continues to struggle or has something wrong with him, it's also possible he can move outside and at least do the the nine route role if they need that. Um he's he's not a shifty guy by any stretch and He's not tall, but he can run fast in a straight line. So um, he might also, be, it's, might it's be worth noting he is a second gear guy. Uh, that so is, his, you are right about that. He takes a while. His to ten yard split in. is bad. <laughs> kind <laughs> of. I never. I don't know how you can be that fast in the forty with that bad of a ten yard split. It's kind so, of incredible. Uh, uh, Usain Bolt is a second gear guy. Um, he is routinely in the back of the pack halfway through the race and is continuing to accelerate through the end of of the sprint. Um, I, I suspect that's David Moore's shtick. Yeah. He's not a sudden player. He is not, well, but he catches well, that the ball explains well. that explains why he's available kind of for free uh, and was a seventh round draft pick, but still like it, it yet again, I mean, a tiniest sample and no one, no one is crowning him like the future of anything, but like, that's just yet another example of a guy that this team has added. That seems like, seems like an upgrade. You know, I'm, I'm so used to the Ted Thompson regime where upgrades, you had to just like, <laughs> You know, you, you might go weeks without seeing an actual upgrade addressed with somebody who's, like, ready to do the job now. And this Packers team seems to have fit. I mean, you know, we've been talking about Jerry Alexander, Zadarius Smith, and David Bakhtiari all year long. I mean, at some point, you just come to the realization they don't they don't need them to win games. It should be nice, but, like, they don't truly need those guys because of the, the replacements have been so good. So yeah. something I don't get about David Moore. Uh, at the beginning of the season, he was signed to Carolina. And it was like one year, four million or something yeah. like that, with a guaranteed money slash cap hit of one point two million. So the Panthers literally lit one point two million dollars on fire instead of keep him on the roster. Like, that's that's my reading of Spot Trek on that. Yeah, I mean, you save you save game checks, right? Because um, but he's still he's still guaranteed one point two million, and it's still that against the cap. Like, what the hell? I don't know. Is he that bad? Like, I didn't think so. Clearly not. They're not the best franchise, you know. They're... Did you see that the Cardinals signed Rashad Breland to their practice squad? Oh God, I did see that. Uh, a little um, circle of life thing for the Razul Douglas. Get a um, former Packer to fill that void. <laughs> According to Justice Mosqueda, Rashad Breland is the worst starting outside yeah. corner in the league. He's toast. Uh, he had a really bad season. He was awful. He was on Minnesota earlier this season, and he uh, he's clearly cooked. So that is not gonna. Hopefully, he doesn't have to play for the Cardinals. He's really bad. Uh, Hopefully he does play for well, the Cardinals I mean, against us. Yes, uh, that would, <laughs> that would be I nice. feel like that was that was a name that was bantied about as maybe the Packers would bring him back. I liked Brashad Breeland um, previously. He was good in his last stint with them. I'm sure I advocated for him coming back this year, but uh, he is after seeing him play, he's cooked. He's got nothing left. So I'm glad we didn't. Good job scouting by the Packers. Uh, <laughs> did, now, did you guys see? I don't know if this is good special teams or bad special teams, but did you see Mason? Crosby yes. slow play the kick when when Bojo dropped the snap. Yep. Uh, okay. Everybody should go watch it in slow motion. Um, it is. I don't, I've never seen a kicker do it before. <laughs> it's a uh, one of the most kicker savvy things I've ever seen. But just to explain, uh, Corey Boharikas dropped. I think it was the first field goal. Dropped the snap on the first field goal. Bobbled it. Got it back up. Mason was coming 
like he does just with his you know normal kicking motion and instead of coming through full blast and missing the ball that wasn't there he intentionally slowed down his leg and waited for it to get up there and then swung it through and drilled it so but that's the other thing is his his kick was like it was like a like a sand trap shot like there was like there was only follow through only follow through (laughs) (laughs) so good job mason well done um, thank goodness it was only a 32 yard or whatever yep. it was that made it made it possible um it's it's interesting because the the field goal unit which we talked about so much first half of the year i think part of it was there were misses but also like even the makes were some dramatic like tucked inside the upright we're not seeing that at all mason's drilling everything right now yeah. either steven wordle is 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 help is good or they got whatever was fixed but uh, field goals are no longer a concern for the, for the Packers. A lot of a lot of aspects. Special teams is the the poster child. A lot of aspects that f- kind of feel like they're quote unquote peaking at the right time. Yeah, I suppose. The the one the only snafu I can think of is Corey did honk a punt in this game. He, oh, he did shank, tremendous. Shank one shanked one real bad. Um, it was in an area where they maybe could have gone for it, but it it was close. But uh, that it happens once in a while. Hopefully, cold weather's not a problem for him. But worth keeping an eye on. But, not 22 yards was 22 it yard punt. <laughs> it was so bad there there were a lot of covid takes after that punt <laughs> gosh who knows you never know Every, and, you know everybody's running around with it right now it's entirely possible yeah it's not going to be a problem for them in a couple weeks which is when it really matters because uh because yep. they got about three weeks before their next meaningful football game Everybody can rest up. Should we talk about the defense? Yeah, let's sure. Say. So uh, Dalvin Cook was, I'm not going to say bad, just bottled. He was bad. Um, <laughs> Kenny Clark was getting double teamed and still making tackles at the line of scrimmage. I think his best game of the year. Um, so I have a take about Kenny Clark. Okay. Is it that he's Kenny awesome? Clark in that Kenny Clark in that game eulogized John Madden in the best way possible. Because one of John Madden's favorite Packers was Gilbert Brown, and Kenny was the guy that Madden thought Gilbert Brown was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because he he can do lots of things, and Gilbert can only do one thing. Gilbert could be big. Anchor space. Uh, John Madden had a line. It was either about Gilbert Brown or maybe like Charles Haley or somebody like that who, whose pants were falling down. And he once he once said, "Oh, you got a lot linemen. This usually doesn't happen to them because they got more holding their pants up." And I never, I have no idea what he meant by that. I, I don't know what that means. I, means. I agree with him, but I don't means, know what it means. It means butt. They have more butt. Yeah, I wasn't sure of that mm-hmm. in the beginning. I'm still, I still like to leave it a little open-ended, but uh, so, there's a, my favorite, I have. my favorite Gilbert Brown related soundbite was, was Madden going, there's Gilbert Brown at 3.30 and Pat goes, I think you're being kind to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Pat Summerall quote. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, 3.30, indeed. Uh, anyway, Dalvin Cook was was not all that effective. As far as edge setting, because that's been a concern lately with Gary and Preston Smith switching uh, switching spots, it seems like. yeah, I, I know they broke a couple times, but it seemed like it was good again. It was okay. Um, it yeah. was... I would say less of a concern in this game because um, even when they they lost contain a couple times, but uh, once they determined Mannion was as bad as they thought, um, yeah. sa- safeties and corners were like right there to clean up messes. They were not like drifting back deep, so they got disguised a few times when they did lose it. But th- th- you're right; they they did a, they clearly got yelled at, and uh, they were not nearly as bad as they were last week. So that's good. Gary was especially improved, I think. 
I feel like Devondre Campbell was cleaning up for everybody again, kind of back to his old self. He looked good. I, I think he was hurting, and now he's not. He was just mauling people. Um, oh, also a quick shout out to Kevin King for um, uh, it's a good Kevin King. It's a good Kevin King, not a bad Kevin King for tackling a guy short of the sticks. Um, it, it took him. Yeah, but he tried so hard. It was like, but that's that's why I shout out. Like he he put in so much effort, and you know he's not a good tackler. It was like a tech mobile tackle where like the guys just grapple in in place for five seconds while they wait for somebody else to come and determine who's going to win the grapple. Um, that's exactly what it was. So, um, but uh, he made the tackle and he uh, he forced the turnover. So that's good. Yay, Kevin! Nice job. Also, shout-outs to Kevin King for playing middle linebacker and lining up in the A-gap. <laughs> also hilarious. <laughs> and asking Devondre Campbell what he should do, which Devondre <laughs> also told him. Is this like the moment in Little Big League where they get excited about the aging player who hits a seeing-eye single, and then they turn to each other like, why are we getting this excited about a seeing-eye single? As sort of the <laughs> indication that uh, that they needed to move on from the player. Like, this is, oh, Kevin King, he tackled the guy shy of the sticks. Yep. It is that. Also, it was it was the most laborious tackle <laughs> in the history so of football. Jair <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexander back would still be pretty, pretty nice. It would. Pretty, it really would. So in the rundown, you say the secondary wasn't really tested. Yeah, which they weren't. And then you mentioned you mentioned the Garrett Bradbury reception. Yes. Which that, that was amazing. Because it was like the biggest pass play of the game for the Vikings. It, it, by second five biggest. yards. Yeah. No, second biggest because that KJ Osborne catch at the very, very end. Absolute devastation um, that I felt knowing that the uh, the Bradbury catch yep. was now it was, second fiddle. Yeah. Because every, so, everybody was looking to write that copy, myself included. And then they ruined it. <laughs> it's just yeah. terrible. It was an amazing catch by KJ Osborne. But you know what? I hate you, KJ Osborne. That was a that was a, that was harsh. It was, it was a yep. cruel blow. So something I do want to mention. Rasul Douglas um, openly admitted in an interview that he will try and jump certain plays and, quote, hope that Jesus is in the post. (laughs) Um, That exact thing happened in this game. And if it was against a better team, they would have gone after that much more. Yeah. But Um, on the other hand, he (laughs) he maybe jumped it much more knowing that Sean Mannion was the one trying to take advantage of him not being in the deep slot. Yeah. yeah, and also to be fair, Mannion almost missed Jefferson. Like Jefferson had to make a leaping yeah. catch. Every deep throw that Mannion made was awful. Like he wasn't even close to connecting on most of those throws. He was missing guys by like ten yards. Uh, I, he was a third round pick five years ago. Uh, who, whoever scouted him is is just awful because uh, you, you see these big doofy quarterbacks get drafted sometimes when they can like rocket the ball and you know look statuesque in the pocket and throw a nice tight spiral like. He looks like he's never played football before. He he looks like he's uncoordinated. <laughs> he he doesn't look like an athlete. Like his first throw was like this lollipop thing that like came out of his hand wrong. Um, like who, his stats weren't good. He wasn't picked by the analyst group in, of the Ram. I think he was a Ram before. Um, uh, like who who decided he was a third round talent? He clearly is a terrible quarterback. Bad bad job, everybody who drafted Sean Mannion. <laughs> Also, I mean, he was drafted by the 2015 Rams. Yeah. Which was not a good team. No, no, they weren't. But but presumably more... I mean, he went in the third. Presumably, they're not the only team that had a third round. Maybe they were, but uh, <laughs> well, whatever. He's he's awful. I don't know how you watch the guy play football for five minutes and decide that he's going to be something in the NFL. But back to what you're saying, Matub, is you are you know, implying a forecast here where Russell Douglas trying to take one to the house could burn them in the playoffs. Yes. Like a better quarterback mm-hmm. 
could uh, could take advantage of that. I yes, could see that happening, especially if if they like if they put a certain play on all year of like a dagger concept where they always threw the underneath. Then that's something that Russell is going to go after, and then the you run the a post double off of it. Open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Could I happen. can see that. Hopefully, the, the hero becoming the villain. Hopefully, Razul is aware of it, and you know, maybe he can make something out of the the double move. You never know. I think that's uh, that catch is going to be the highlight of Garrett Bradbury's career. It was like, legitimately good catch and run. Good, like that's I, some athleticism there. I'm really bummed that my my pun didn't take off as well as I thought it would. It was genius. It was genius, Matub. Sometimes you amaze me. Sometimes I'm like, holy shit. He actually is smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I miss the pun? What was the pun? He he. After Brad, after Bradbury made the catch, Matub tweeted something wicked. This way comes a reference to the Ray Bradbury, <laughs> Ray Bradbury story, story. Okay, that's great. Which is you know next level stuff I I, because because when the centers got the football, yeah. damn right something wicked. This way comes. <laughs> yep. All right, I, I I missed that. So apologies for that. That is Just actually quite outstanding brilliant. work. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thank well you. I, I do enjoy um, old school sci-fi, dystopian sci-fi. Big fan. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, really, also, Adrian Amos probably should have had like a forced fumble or forced interception on that hit. Um, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time, it's at least an incomplete pass. And uh, you know, just kind of a bummer from his perspective that he just laid wood on a guy with perfectly legal hits <laughs> and caused Garrett Bradbury to have a twenty-one yard completion. I mean, how often do you see someone? do a perfect rugby form tackle which causes the ball to fly 15 <laughs> yards perfectly in the air never it never <laughs> happens it's ridiculous like because he literally it was a rugby form tackle like he scooped the legs and yeah. picked him up like, it was awesome that was gorgeous right. you want offense 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 was good um aaron Rodgers <laughs> is going to win the mvp yeah. well well, that is unless unless Hub ruins it. <laughs> and, and and even without Hub Arkish opining very openly about how he's going to let his opinion of Aaron Rodgers as a person impact his MVP vote, which for, from my perspective, I know there's a lot of pushback to each their own. That's why there's yeah. 50 of them. Everybody can do what they want. But I, it, it is worth wondering if others will follow suit, if there will be a quiet like, you know what? Rodgers has been kind of sucky as a man this year, so maybe we give the vote to somebody else. He just won it last year. Like I could see that happening. I don't think there'll be enough people to do that because uh, right now I just think Aaron Rodgers has put a huge amount of space between him and the rest of the field. But yeah. you know, it's possible. So my my argument against that is there was a legitimate push for uh, Adrian Peterson, comeback player of the year, okay. uh, after he was out for physically abusing his son. Right. True. Well, I think you also just look at how. The, the fawning coverage of Ben Roethlisberger, who has some unanswered. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, <laughs> do some tweet searching I, later on. on that, I mean, that's actually. that's just ESPN. It's not necessarily 50 writers across the NFL who are all in lockstep on that. But, you know, I, I do think I, I do think the default position for most writers is to simply go with with the thing that they know the most about. And yeah. that is on field success. Yeah. And so I think ultimately they would rather weed out the political stuff themselves as well. And hey, you know I've hey, been JR. as critical of Aaron as anybody, but like I would still vote for him for MVP in a second. There, sure. uh, there's no credible statistical case against Aaron at this point. Right, Jared, yes, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a great hub quote? Tell me. Uh, <clears throat> March fourteenth, twenty nineteen. Why can't fans separate actual analysis from fanboy talk? <laughs> I like the Packers, and I hope they're back in the hunt this year. But Haha Clinton Dix is a more complete safety and better player than Adrian Amos. <laughs> 
I saw that you were digging through some receipts on Twitter, Matab. I saw that earlier today. Yep. It's it's not a pursuit to which I would personally go on a Kiata quest, but congratulations to finding that. That is quite the take. Congrats to Habarkish for leaving that up two years later. <laughs> even even one year later, yes. when it was very clear that that take was not dude, gonna stick. Dude, there are responses from October where there they're are. like, You guys you you want to delete this? <laughs> You know what? He left it up. I, I have some measure of respect for that. That was a terrible, terrible call. I truly uh, think that that stupid boomer left it up because he can't find the delete so button. The other thing is he, he got called out on it. Like the first person who called him out on it was Zach Cruz, who is, you know, anything but a hack. And it asked him for examples of this and asked him to reconsider it. And I'm on this thread, too, which is how I know this. <laughs> <laughs> and he still didn't he, he didn't give any after that, which he should have. Because Zach literally goes, dude, money talks. Adrian Amos signed for a lot more money yeah. and a lot longer contract. Clearly, the NFL disagrees with you on this. So, yeah. That free agent class, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos. Mm-hmm. I mean, t- what a... what a, Dude, It's great. Well, I had a, it's just a I great had a front year, office job. I had a year of donkey fans in person who would not leave me alone because, oh my God, you guys just paid that much for our backup guard? Who's laughing now, donkeys? <laughs> well, it'd be nice if he was healthy, yeah. But, it would. Uh, but tremendous. Like, still, like I didn't think Billy Turner was going to turn out to be nearly as good as he has been. That's that's just an outstanding job. That I mean, who's the worst of that class now? It, Tough call. <laughs> is yeah, it, I guess is it, I guess Preston because Preston you can say he objectively it. has one bad year yeah. of the three. But really good. I mean, Darius would have to say the same thing because yeah. he hasn't played. So uh, I don't know, man. Tough call. Uh, just a, a class that Ted Thompson would have never brought us. You know, like that just isn't something he would have he would have invested in. And Brian Gutekunst put a stamp on the on the franchise right there with the, the just what a what a time. All those guys are signed within what twenty four hours. Like that was a that was bam bam you know, bam bam bam. Yep. Right. Incredible. All right, back to the offense. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is a wizard. We've discussed. Yes. He's very good. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. PFF even loves him. They do. Um, the, the like two throws to Devonte, like thirty yards downfield, where it's just like, oh, that was easy. They should just do that every play. Like <laughs> <laughs> also, also, it is worth noting. So something that Collinsworth always fawns over. Late hands. A, yeah, is late hands. Love like, late hands. Jr., are you aware of this terminology? I am not. Discuss. So uh, when there is a deep pass to a wide receiver and the wide receiver is tracking the ball the best thing that they can do is not try to catch the ball until the last moment. Okay. Because, because the DB who is in man coverage and has his back to the, the quarterback is trying to read the wide receivers hands. So when wide receivers hands go up, the DB will react and put his hands up. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Devante does not try to catch a pass until it is literally at his shoulder pads. It's insane. It... <laughs> and and so there's no time for the DB to react. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's impressive stuff. The back shoulder that was supposedly, I think, second play of the game on script. Not he was just going to throw it to Devontae no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's poetry, man. It was well, he, uh, virtuoso. Very famous Aaron Rodgers quote is, "If I can read your nameplate, I will throw at you." Yep. And both of those plays, Word you could easily, throws. yeah, yep. He's not going to win Offensive Player of the Year, Devontae Adams, uh, if that is indeed an award that goes exclusively to non-quarterbacks. I think Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup. Yep. It's, it, well, it's going to be one of those two. It'll guys. be one of those Fancy two guys. Ball. But, uh, God, he should win the Offensive Player of the Year. He's just <laughs> so, so special. So Cup, Cup would probably get it because of volume. Jonathan Taylor would probably get it because Offensive Player of the Year usually goes to a running back. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a little narrative there too with the Colts bouncing back from a one in five start or whatever it was. So yeah, kind of like that story. From but, whence they came, they uh, shall remain. It's also just it's uh, running back should get something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've taken so much from them. We should give something back. <laughs> let's let's come up with the the Paul Noonan Memorial <laughs> Running Backs Matter Award. So speaking of Paul Noonan's favorite running back, his boy <laughs> AJ Dillon, uh, now the second best receiving running back in the NFL. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Incredible. I thought he was. I thought he was second best in yards per target. Period. He is. No, no, no. Just running back. Just running back. Just running backs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are wide receivers ahead of him. Uh, the only running back ahead of him is James Conner of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but uh, you know, AJ Dillon, of course, the guy who coming out of college, people gave scouting reports like he can't catch. He never caught in college. He probably has bad hands. Things like that. Not not true at all. And uh, <laughs> one of the oh, question, no. one of the questions I didn't get to ask him, by the way, was. Uh, would you have liked to be more involved in the passing game at Boston College? And do you think colleges do a disservice to college running backs by not throwing to them more? Because most college offenses don't involve the running back in the passing game. It just doesn't happen that much. Um, and it didn't hurt. I mean, he's a second-round pick. He's he's doing fine. But I bet there are a lot of guys out there who don't get to show off their hands like they should and probably suffer quite a bit for it. Um, so AJ is awesome in the passing game. Like can't say enough about him. Uh, he has like a Robert Tunyon level of catch percentage this season, and uh, he's replaced a lot of the production that they lost with Robert. That's kind of where it's gone is to Dylan, not to other tight ends. So um, hmm. it's uh, really cool to see. And Aaron Jones looks great. John Runyon Jr., Yash Nyman, guys, guys blocking great. Uh, Aaron Jones probably looked as healthy as he's been all season long. They were on the field at the same time for a few plays. I know we wrote about yeah. that at jsonline.com. That's an interesting new look. Bow, bow, bow. I don't know what that is. Genuines. My pony. Oh, oh. The pony package. Okay. I'm, I've been talking about genuine all week long on yep. Twitter because of pony references, and I can't believe I, I didn't I didn't get the bow, 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 but. I'm just a bachelor. Matt, did you, so, uh, did you I, see my attempt to get I AJ to call himself a fullback Twitter. again? Yes, I did. <laughs> I tried. I tried. He, he, it's so close. I asked him who the best lead blocker on the team was. Just to try. Matt Matt asked him if uh, he enjoyed playing fullback or something like that, and he got offended at being called a fullback. So I tried. Well, he took he took a third and one handoff. Yeah, that's as right. He was a fullback dive. <laughs> um, so I tried. I try, I'm trying to turn it into a thing where we always ask AJ Dillon about being a fullback. Um, but uh, he he said that the best lead blocker on the team is actually Mercedes Lewis, which is almost certainly true. So yeah. Mercedes <laughs> so Lewis is the second best left tackle on the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so fun aside, I almost lost my Twitter account because of the song "Pony" by Genuine. Oh yeah. Um, I edited it into a video it. of of David Bakhtiari pancaking and then sitting on T.J. Watt. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. All right, uh, and that uh, I, got DM DMCA'd, and I lost my Twitter for for twenty four hours. <laughs> Fair enough, worth it, worth it in worth, my opinion. Yeah, absolutely worth it. Um, interesting thing that people may not have noticed. That I know that people noticed that an umpire went out of the game uh, early on with uh, so so they were down an official. It was like I think the third game in, in the NFL slate in week 17 where where an official was lost for some injury or illness or whatever but uh they're down an official which means there's w- really only one person looking at holding at any point during the rest of the game and there were virtually no holding calls or very little very few flags in general the packers only got flagged once uh toward the very end of the game 
and then there were just there's like what one accepted holding call or no there were no accepted holding calls there was one that was declined on uh, Garrett Bradbury actually but that was it Um, and it it was pretty clear early on that holding just wasn't going to be called very much and uh, I think certainly the Packers took advantage of that the Vikings I I don't know if they did. <laughs> it didn't show up if they well, did. I'm pretty sure it was you who said, oh, there's an umpire down. Everyone should hold all the time. It was. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were two steps ahead. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you should. But the, the Packer running game was uh, unbelievably good in this game. They actually out-EPA'd Aaron. And, you know, Aaron had a good game. So that that's no small feat. Um, but Aaron Jones was ripping off like 20-yard carries seemingly every time he touched the ball. It was uh, It was a great performance against a team that I think was probably geared up to stop the run, just especially once the Packers got out to a multi-score lead. So, uh, Nice job by everybody adjusting to the circumstances and just pounding the rock. So, so uh, I had an interesting thought at the end of the game. Watching Patrick Taylor run headfirst into nine-man boxes on on halfback ISO. <laughs> um, and how, didn't get stuffed, no, I should okay. point out. Got, right. got yards out of that. <laughs> But how brave of a human being do you have to be to trot it onto the field because you're the one they like the least and run headfirst into a wall of man that knows that you're coming? Third string running backs just cannon fodder. And uh... <laughs> like, like, go out there and don't get hurt. But, yep. you know, if you do get hurt, we don't really care. Like... <laughs> he did OK. Though. He did. He looked we... good. We, I kind of think we should get to questions soon, so I kind of want to rapid fire through Let's the rest of the offense. Alan Lazard, six catches on seven or six or seven contested catches, in including the touchdown. His pre- previous yeah, that, to that, he had not caught a single contested catch in his previous five games, and now has caught quite a few. I think it's been a point of emphasis with him, and uh, I think that that's a good sign for the playoffs because Alan's a big guy, and uh, building confidence that he can make those with Aaron actually gives him another legitimate option. He's been really good for the last few games. MVS what, still struggling a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Matub yep. nodded. He, he, uh, no, no idea what's wrong with him. Still shaking off injuries, whatever. But yeah, he's uh, not looking so good, not looking fast. Um, even on his nine so, routes, not getting separated. I, I think this comes back to the um, going without practicing hard for an extended period of time, that there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. Yep. And we saw it took a week or two for Campbell to shake the rust off. And I believe MVS both dealing with post COVID as well as a loss in the family that he's, he's allowed to have some time. I think that's fine. Right. It's just something to keep an eye on. Hopefully he bounces back, but uh, he was noticeably slower than usual. And that's not good. Uh, Devante is now second in D Y A R yep. to Cooper cup, uh, which is, which is good. And uh, you noted that coming from the press conference after the game, sounds like he's an advocate of sticking the foot on the gas longer yeah. uh, because because they've let a couple, you know, leads dwindle. This is not one of those games where that happened. So it seemed like it seemed like that sunk in pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and watching this one live, I was like, why are they still passing in, in like the fourth quarter? And this is why. And that's good because they if the Packers fall victim to anything, it is getting conservative too quickly and trying to rely on the running game. And so it turns out the system that puts you ahead by 20 is the one that you should continue to use the whole game. <laughs> it is, especially when you are as methodical about trading clock as they are anyway. Like, they always run the clock down to one, and, you know, Aaron's so good at completing passes, he's going to be extra good at it against a team that thinks they're going to run all the time. <laughs> um, it makes a lot of sense. It was it, it was not necessary for this game, but uh, I think it, it portends well for the playoffs and protecting leads in the playoffs. 
And as far as last receiver, St. Brown, not equanimous, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is, I think, now the Lions' best player. Dra- <laughs> the younger brother drafted this year. Uh, Lions have really famously no, nobody really talented on their roster. Uh, the Tim Boyle Jordan Love show that everyone is hoping for, I think, will be the the exciting the exciting plot line at this point. Yeah. But uh, Amon Ross St. Brown has turned into a nice player, and he's like he's confident too. He's got some swag. Oh my god, dude! So the the St. Brown family is the ball family of the NFL. That they are. <laughs> oh yeah, they yeah. totally um, are. Amon Ra won't shut up about all the guys taken ahead of him. Like he's doing like the, the like the Brady six thing. Like like these are all the, the quarterbacks taken before Tom Brady. Like these are all the wide receivers taken before Amon Ra St. Brown. Maybe like, they hey, should dude. keep Amari Rogers away to keep him safe. He's, he's one of them, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, right. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, and Amon Ra St. Brown, like after a kind of a slow start to the season, now his 82 catches leads the Lions on 109 targets. And crazy. Really oh, has, my God. Really has turned into their number one receiver by a, a large margin. Um, yeah, it's it's high. His yards per reception are not that high, but that's because their offense is terrible, and he's catching passes from Jared Goff and Tim Boyle most of the time. And that's just not a, a recipe for, you know, catching the ball in stride, things like that. But he's had a really impressive season. If they get a better quarterback in Detroit – he will instantly be a fantasy superstar. So a guy to keep an eye on for the future and in this next game, because that's all they got. Uh, word coming out of Detroit is that they will not have a better quarterback they next won't. year. They absolutely won't. There's no way to get one next year. Two, Maybe two years from now, though. <sighs> Tyler Huntley, somehow, find a way to get his rights. Make it happen. <laughs> Our guy needs to be free. Free Tyler Huntley. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Huntley, I think, might go to Washington. I, I don't wish him on... Uh, I mean, uh, the Lions, I think, are you doing don't... some good things, but I don't want to... <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah. Every place he could go sucks. <laughs> That's the problem. If if a place needs a quarterback, it's because they're not a very good franchise. I was trying to... I, I was looking up the last un, um, unanimous MVP because uh, with the Hubarkish thing and, like, people are going to be upset if Aaron Rodgers isn't unanimous or some people are. And I was like, no... I, my point being that no one cares who is unanimous. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, uh, Tyler Huntley's future backup uh lamar jackson was unanimous just just like two years ago oh, so uh right. surprises me i had no idea tom brady in 2010 before that it's it's not a thing that matters in the long term nope not at all nobody cares nobody remembers that was was rogers unanimous in 2011 i don't believe he was no nope. who got a who got a vote over uh let's see if i still have that tab open i don't think i do <laughs> what the hell uh yeah i don't have it open but uh We'll look it up. Somebody did. Somebody will Google it while somebody else is vamping uh, during the podcast, possibly while I'm answering my brother's Patreon question. Let's get to it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not. Uh, We've got a lot of questions. (laughs) Patreon subscribers, of course, get question priority. And our number one patron, our number one fan is Danny. (laughs) Danny J. Noonan. Danny Noonan. Uh, My neighbor, your brother. Paul, remember when you gave me your copy of Atlas Shrugged? <laughs> I do. Gotta, I mean, we should give a little background here in case people don't know what we're talking about. But. Yeah. So, uh, context: um, Aaron Rodgers was on the Manning Cast this week, and uh, it was mostly unobjectionable and non-controversial, except for a few moments. One of those being he pointed out that he has Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand on his bookshelf, and didn't even say he read it or anything like that. Just pointed. Oh, he to actually it. openly said he didn't. Read he it. said he didn't read it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I. I 
I take every opportunity that I have just to make fun of Ayn Rand novels because they are trash. Um, and so I, I made a Twitter joke that is escaping me at the moment. I actually, I made two of them. Um, and you said you said Aaron Rodgers is going to play for another fifteen, 15 years, years because he's nineteen. He's nineteen, which is <laughs> yes. The, the joke, of course, being. Um, it, by the way, everybody knows somebody like this, even if they don't know it. But that that you really only um, sort of understand. Uh, take take heart in Ayn Rand novels when you're 19 years old. You grow out of them eventually, for the most part, because um, they're trash. Um, so I made that joke, and I don't know how it blew up, actually. Usually I catch the, the big person who retweets it, but I've been fending off and Ayn Rand people and, um, and Aaron Rodgers fans and anti-vaxxers and uh, just <laughs> generally speaking, people like that for the last... 48 hours this happened to me last week too but that was my fault Th this one i thought would go under the radar a little bit it did not um also a lot of likes my ratio is good on those tweets just for the record great um but um i one of the here's the thing i've read all of ayn rand's novels because i used to be much more libertarian than i am now i am an old man now and i used to be a douchebag college student myself <laughs> so um you know sometimes sometimes you go through that kind of thing um, but you know, it, it serves me well in my, my old age because I, you know, I, one thing I, I read things skeptically and even at the time I, I read those skeptically and picked out a lot of crap in them. And so I'm, I, I can instantly recall anything about any Ayn Rand novel and, and push it back on people if they want to argue with me. And yes. So anyway, back in the day, I did in fact give Danny my copy of Atlas Shrugged, which I suspect he likes more than I do. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> It found its home, and I'm glad it did. Um, and uh, so, yes, I remember it. And uh, ho hope you're enjoying it, Danny. A couple things. Drew Brees got two votes in 2011 when Aaron Rodgers got yeah. the other 48. Second of I all, it up too. <laughs> can, uh, uh, I, this is a question that's going to be a little embarrassing because it, re it reveals that. Well, no, actually, it reveals that I never really was a college douchebag. I never read Atlas Shrugged. I don't quite know what the ethos is the central ethos can you boil it down to like one or two things or yes. is it just too much no it's not too much in fact it's very simple um it, it is the, the, the central ethos of ayn rand stuff and atlas shrugged is that society functions best and is morally correct when people act in their own self-interest unimpeded by government or compassion or concern for other people um it looks down on any government restriction on commerce. Um, it looks down on charity. It is very much a, if you give people charity, they will come to be reliant on it and not do hard work. Um, and uh, that's that's sort of really it. So Ayn Rand novels are uh, almost all dystopian in some way. Fountainhead's not. It's a different thing. But um, where the government has become overbearing. The, the whole plot of Atlas Shrugged is um, everybody who is a, like, a good productive member of society goes on strike and stops being a good productive member of society. So society crumbles without, it's essentially what if Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos went on strike, what would happen? And in, in, in that book, society completely falls apart. So um, hmm. that's, that's what you're looking at there. I feel like Ayn Rand would be a big baseball fan. The mano y mano self-interest thing going on. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Pitcher wins, man. Pitcher wins. <laughs> All right. Mark Putscarby asks, out oh, of the Rams. I got, I got to interrupt. Tell me, uh, Paul, the first mid-sized level oh. Twitter account to retweet you was Kendall Brown. I don't know who that she is. is uh, 23,000 follower and 100% liberal following. Huh. All right. After I, I, that, a yeah. bunch of check marks. 
I do think if I had a tweet that blew up and I didn't know why, I would come to Matub. I feel like he could suss <laughs> that out very, very quickly. Well, next time remember, gentlemen, I am eternally online, engaged, and upset. <laughs> it's true. Like like all of Twitter. Could you look up why I, I posted that before once the Cowboys lost that uh, th- that we should have a Jordan Love six touchdown game in Detroit, a nod, an homage to the Matt Flynn game in 2011. That went completely bonkers. Two thousand likes or whatever. You could maybe find that out. I, I didn't understand why that one got big either. Uh, so that gives you a little service project here while, while I'm reading these other questions. <laughs> Mark, Mark Putscarby asks out of the Rams, Bucks, Cowboys and Cardinals rank from most to least who you want to face in the playoffs. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, all right. I most would love to see the Rams because I'm pretty comfortable that this Packers team can beat them, beat them again, as they've done the last two times at Lambeau field. Uh, I least want to see the Buccaneers because I think they're kind of the boogeyman uh, and then Cardinals second. So Rams, Cardinals, uh, Cowboys, Buccaneers for me. So I'll go. I think Cardinals at Lambeau is fine. Um, I, Kyler's gotten worse as the season's gone on. They had, For they, sure. They had the Cowboy win, which is good, but I think I'm okay with them in cold weather. I don't think they're going to do that much. I'll take uh, close between them and the Rams. I, I agree with JR on the Rams. I'm comfortable with the Rams. Matthew Stafford is, you know, he turned back into the Detroit pumpkin that he is, um, and I'm fine facing him pretty much all the time. So I'll take those two at the top. And, and I, I think I slightly prefer playing the Bucks to the Cowboys at this point, Boogeyman notwithstanding. Just without all their weapons, uh, I feel like they're not going to win a shootout with the Packers. Without Chris Godwin and without um, Antonio Brown. Um, and with Mike Evans, uh, it, he looks okay. I think he played pretty well last game, but he does have a hamstring that can those pop up again sometimes. But and Leonard Fournette's out for them too. It, it's just a, a tough road to hoe there. And like... I don't ever want to pick Brady because it's stupid to do that, but uh, the Cowboys are just much more of a complete team than the Bucks are. So I'll I'll take uh, I'll I'll take the Cowboys as my sort of most feared. But I get anybody who wants to disagree because um, you know going picking Tom Brady over anything else is stupid. So I get that. Yeah. Matab, do you have any preference? Nope. <laughs> nope. You bring them all on. Bring them all on. Okay. I have a feeling uh, it's. Gonna I'm be... afraid of everyone. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to see the Eagles or 49ers in the divisional round. I just have a feeling the Rams are going to be upset. Maybe even the Buccaneers because of what you just outlined. Yeah. Like some team is going to get to Lambeau that isn't a team that we're really talking about right now. I'm still a little scared of the 49ers actually because um, Trey Lance I think is good, uh, and uh, I if they if they get out of their own way and just play him, I think they become much scarier. They're not going to win the Super Bowl with Garoppolo uh, until they got there. But it's not going to happen. If it, Trey Lance is as good as he looked on Sunday, they are drastically improved from their normal state of being. So they should they should do that. And then they're scary. In that case, you might want to cheer for the Rams on Sunday because they can keep the 49ers out of the playoffs entirely. Yep. If the Saints beat the Falcons, it's the Saints who get the seven and the 49ers disappear. And the Saints could very well end up at Lambeau Field. So, um, Which is also noting. scary in its own right based on how it Taysom went last Hill. time. Yeah, yeah, but this time it's Taysom Hill and not Jameis Winston. So that's a little different. So, JR, I have some news. You tell me. Um, there is no overt signal boost of your Jordan Love tweet. Sometimes the content is great, baby. <laughs> it is. This appears to be organic numbers. Nice work. Yeah. Well done. Feels good. Feels right. Uh, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, okay. Tim Braun asks, why is Leroy Butler not in the NFL Hall of Fame yet? And will he finally make it this year? I have written about this at jsonline.com. I, I tried to re-up re- it a little bit, wrote about it in February. Um, I do think this is his year. There is a, uh, 
it, it's very difficult to explain why John Lynch got in over him because it pretty much, in my estimation, just boils down to John Lynch was a finalist sooner and was had his case heard more times, eight times, I think, before he got in. So I think it was more like everybody assigned John Lynch a place in line. But Leroy Butler on, on paper and in every way was the better safety. Yeah. And, and, and you could argue the same with Steve Atwater. So now there's two guys who are basically contemporaries of Butler's that are in. Everybody on the 1990s All-Decade team is in except Leroy Butler. I don't understand quite why he isn't in yet, other than the safety position is maybe one of the harder ones to sort of quantify, especially because Leroy was so good at everything. Like maybe people didn't understand how good he was at everything. But uh, I do think there there are just not that many guys sort of, quote unquote, ahead of him in line this year. There's two, I think, Richard Seymour and Tony Baselli who have been longer finalists more times that will get in probably before him. Uh, but then it's, you know, then you got three more, three more spots. And I don't think any of the newcomers, maybe DeMarcus Ware goes in, but like none of the newcomers are like, yes, that's a hall of famer. Really? I think Andre Johnson is. I, I mean, I think Andre Johnson will get in. I just don't think it's for sure this year and for sure ahead of Leroy Butler. Yeah, I agree right. with that too. So, so the, the big reason why you have the other two safeties in over Leroy Butler uh, one, John Lynch was a good GM for a while. Stayed in the um, consciousness. That's can't yeah. deny that's got to be part of it. Um, and Steve Atwater has been in every single big hit compilation since that asshole retired. Well, that's what I'm for both of those guys. They're, they're concussion machines. They showed up on a lot of highlight reels of big hits. And Leroy Butler, you know, a, a good tackler, but Technician. was not a concussor, concussor like the other two were. Um, and right. more like, no one cares about. Uh, safety blitzing off the edge and getting a sack. Right, <laughs> it always looks the same. <laughs> but like you know, the night, all, the the all decade team, which is also chosen at the time by like a, a committee of people affiliated with the Hall of Fame, the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, all those guys are in. Yep, except for Leroy Butler. He should, so like he's got to get in. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I I a hundred percent believe this is the year it does because it gets harder next year. Joe Thomas shows up. A couple other guys mm-hmm. who are going to be get really strong consideration if not definite consideration for those five spots but uh but it's it's gonna happen this year i just believe it that's it yeah. no further thoughts nope i shouldn't let my phone <laughs> no further questions wait uh tim brown has another question who is <laughs> who is john galt who is john galt so for people who don't know that is a reference to atlas shrugged which i'm not going to explain because it's too takes too long i am going to mention though that uh of one of the jerks in my mentions this week kept um ending his tweets with that but spelling galt wrong and uh <laughs> if you are going to reference that to make an ayn rand point you should spell it right because first of all ayn rand would slap you for spelling it wrong because you know that's kind of the point and uh it, it's it's like the the only thing memorable about the whole stupid book is that so don't do get it right people also talk trash the, the only to be fair that reference also happens in like the last part of the book and most people don't make it that no, far. No, 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 no. That's like the first word of the book. Is, well, it is the show. opening line. Yeah, it's the opening line of the, the book. Explanation. <laughs> you don't learn. But like the, you, you don't learn who John Galt you is. Don't, like near that's that. true. It's the last chapter. Is, you know, that's also, it. I'm a big fan of some of the people in your mentions. There's one guy who was like, I bet this guy doesn't even know who so-and-so and so-and-so are. And he spelled their names wrong. And I can't remember. It was characters from the book. He spelled them wrong, too. Yeah. Yeah. It just. Good times. John Galt, Not literary spelled, giants in your mentions this week. Spelled the traditional way, G A U L T, uh, is the uh, an entrepreneur and inventor who created the encased postage stamp in the uh, in the 1860s. Nice. So that is who John Galt is. Wow. I prefer who is Willie Galt. Screw that guy. 
screen. That guy, he sucks. <laughs> what did he think about libertarianism? <laughs> Flaily Joel Osment asks, did we learn anything about the run defense after the Minnesota game? Mm, I think yes. Bucks... Kenny, Kenny okay. Clark is the run defense. He is the run. That, that's one, Part one is Kenny Clark is the run defense. Part two is Devondre Campbell has got all his speed back and is patrolling the middle just fine. And I think part three is if, if there's not a threat of a pass, they can just... Uh, shift personnel to take away running backs which is useful too doesn't doesn't help when the other side's good at passing and in the playoffs that's usually the case but you know if they run into the saints with Taysom, yeah worth keeping in mind sure second part of this question do the bucks purposefully drag their ankles on releasing antonio brown so other teams like the cowboys can't pick him up for the playoffs I, I, I don't know if that it'd be that like calculated, but I could see them being like, you know what, screw so, you, Antonio Brown. We are not going to release you so yeah. that you can just find somewhere else. My theory with Antonio Brown is that they are actually petitioning the league to have some kind of detriment clause allowing them to release him without a cap hit. I think that's um, likely to be the case. And they're certainly, while they're fighting out, they're, like there's legal stuff they have to do before they cut Antonio Brown. They definitely don't want other people claiming him because, you know, Antonio Brown, who wants revenge, is no fun. Um, and yeah, he shouldn't be allowed to play. So there also might be disciplinary uh, NFL action coming. You can't just leave a game halfway through. That's not allowed. Um, they might be suspending him. That might get them some cap relief if that happens. That There's a lot of reasons not to just cut him outright. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's to protect them, but I'm sure... They're not going to take any chances. I'm sure they'll hold on to him without paying him as long as they possibly can for that reason. Brett Smith asks, have there been teams uh, to improve in advanced metrics in the postseason? I think this is a reference to how the Packers, and you wrote about this at Acme Packing Company, are 10th in DVOA. Typically, that's a bad omen for a playoff team. Or in other words, has a team been middle of the road in the regular season and then improved? Yeah, the two Giants teams. Yep. Uh, that's exactly who I was going to ask about. Well, except that they still weren't good, but even after winning the Super Bowl, Super right, Bowl, they got they, lucky. They were still outside the top ten in DVOA, even the Super Bowl. But um, so, on the on a basic level, the, the playoffs count in your DVOA. It's information they added in. So yes, you can improve. Um, it's just a matter of how much you can improve, which is you know not a ton over the course of 16, 17, 18 games. Um, worth noting though. The Packers uh, are up to eighth now in DVOA after the Minnesota win, um, and in weighted DVOA, which weights more current, more recent games have more heavy. The Packers are up to fourth, so um, the, outsiders have seen the improvement there. And yeah, if they keep if they keep beating well the Lions game, I'm not sure how much it's going to move the needle. Um, but if they keep beating the pants off of teams through the playoffs, they'll ascend to number one by the time they win the Super Bowl. So yeah, that will happen. Jeremy Moen says, is anyone podcasting from their car? This is a ref- reference. It's a reference to Zach Jacobson on uh, uh, on Cheesehead TV with me, who did his segment from his car. Um, That's right. I saw that yeah. with the wheel in view. Very yes. interesting. Yeah. I am podcasting from my bed. That's where I'm at right now, where it's where it's warm because this house is cold. I am podcasting from my bed in Kansahoma. Yep. Yeah. Only I am in my dank basement. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I, I should reiterate. When I am in Kansas, I am staying at the company house. Yep. This is not a this is not a hotel. I know that that has been a, a question. Uh, Jeremy Moen's actual question is: Do you think that the the team's slower pace is a product of the Lafleur Shanahan offensive system, or does it have more to do with how teams are defending the team? So across the league, we've seen an increase in cover two defense implemented by teams to reduce explosive plays, and I was wondering if that seems to have been a reason for the methodical pace and decreased explosive plays down the field. Okay, 
kind of two questions here. So first, um, they are slow by design, um, and it is the system uh, more than anything else. The 49ers are also an extremely slow-paced team in terms of snapping the ball, um, as are the Ravens, who are not um, not a Shanahan LeFleur system team, but sort of, a, I would say, adjacent in how they run things. Um, that uh, The Packers are compounded by the fact that Aaron philosophically likes to take the clock down to make every adjustment he can and to see what the defense is going to do. Um, so it's it's slow upon slow, and that's why they're the slowest. Um, so uh, it does not have to do with how teams are defending the team. Like they would do this, I think, regardless. Um, you know, unless somebody's running like a super vanilla defense, then they might speed up a little bit. But uh, it, as long as it's disguised in any way, it's not a product of anything other than that. Um, and uh, in terms of explosive plays, I actually think the Packers have had more explosive plays down the field lately. Uh, I believe over the last five games, um, Aaron's deep passing has snapped back to um, uh, top five amongst all quarterbacks. I think he's completing 60% wow. of his passes over 20 yards over the last five games. So you see him... It's- 59 and change yeah there you go um and uh, a lot of that is like those two adams throws we talked about earlier in this game uh were deep throws um and uh they have kind of a, a cut down slash abandoned that that just chuck it up to mvs play uh lazard is also he's got a couple deep ones lately too um so i think they've actually done better explosive play wise lately than uh, they did at the beginning of the season also so do you want to hear something fun i learned about this week absolutely so uh, teams who run the play clock down. It's a very common tactic for them to break the huddle actually as late as possible. Um, this allows them to read the defense, which is forced to hurry up and not disguise their coverage nearly as well. Because they have to run to their spots because they don't have time to move. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. And so it minimizes the amount of time that you spend at the line of scrimmage. So it minimizes the amount of time the defense has. It's so I would suspect with <laughs> Rodgers reading the defense as much as he does that that's probably part of it. I don't understand this toe thing. I mean, we were led to believe for a second there that it could potentially cost games for Aaron Rodgers, and we've seen him struggle with with injuries. It's not like he's Superman, you know, with the calf stuff. Like he's he's fought through it, and he's been he's still been good, but he's been downright great with this toe injury. So like, well, what, Jr., what if you would have listened to the podcast last week. <laughs> I did listen to the podcast last week. I said that the toe would be a non-factor because of the weather. Yeah, I still think you're wrong about that, but uh, <laughs> uh, so because of uh, because of cortisone, because he can't, because it's so, it'll be so cold he can't feel it, which is not how right. injuries work. Um, when <laughs> when when you're older, you'll understand. Um, I, I think so the, young. I think the thing about the toe is that your pinky toe doesn't matter, uh, and there's only so bad your pinky toe can hurt, like. You can just wrap that shit up. Please, and- please make a parody Twitter account of of Ben Baldwin called "Pinky Toes Don't Matter." <laughs> <laughs> like, it, even if it's like broken, like you you could just tape it to the the toe next to it, and you know, it, take painkillers and you'll be fine for three hours. It, it's not a big deal. Like, there's no amount that a pinky toe can be hurt that will stop you from playing three hours of football. It's just not not a thing. It's fine. You don't unless need it's, it g- unless it's gangrenous. Gross. I'm just saying, but that's fine. If it's causing necrosis (laughs) through your lower body, yes. Thanks, my nine year old son, for finding the one example that uh, (laughs) disproves. Jesus, Uh, man. I I said cortisone, but you were talking about anesthetic, right? Instead of Toradol, they would use an anesthetic. Yeah. 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 All right. We're on Twitter questions. Big Rig. 
Big Rig says, what is the funniest piece of media that AR-12 owns and unironically thinks is good? I think uh, we, we can answer this one because Danny asked it's the, it's the Chuck Norris bobblehead. It is the Chuck Norris bobblehead. <laughs> um, if, you, if you look at his bookshelf behind him, he has a, a bobblehead that you can't really see what it is. And Matt guessed correctly. It's Chuck Norris with two... Uh, two pistols in his hands, um, being all aggro. So he's got a Chuck Norris bobblehead with guns. Oh my gosh! Yep. And you know he absolutely unironically thinks that's awesome. He definitely There's does. No well, doubt. Because because Aaron Rodgers is the type of dude who like is stuck in a time capsule of internet culture, and that time capsule is about two thousand six. Yeah. And, and, and so he probably he probably still unironically tells Chuck Norris jokes. It's a Chuck Norris jokes thing. That's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The disappointing thing here is, you know, we know this already, that he loves Dodgeball and quotes that movie Ad Nauseam. I oh, have yeah. No doubt. You're right. And I also love that movie and quote it Ad Nauseam. And I am disappointed that uh, that Aaron Rodgers is probably still wielding that stuff unironically. But, uh, you know, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> reading, reading is fundamental, asks, uh, what are you looking to see from Jordan Love this week that would be an encouraging sign for when he becomes the starter? Man, we saw it against the Vikings. Yeah, he played well in his small stint, um, threw the ball well. I, I just want to see him throwing like hard and on time and accurately. That's all. That's all I ask of any quarterback. So that's what I want to see. Yeah, I would love to see him. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it means if he like really has a breakout game, if he really does duplicate, not duplicate, he'll never throw six touchdowns with the Matt Flynn game from twenty uh, early 2012, late 2011. Uh, I, I don't know what it would necessarily, inf- if, it, if at this point it could inform anything that the Packers do going forward. Cause I got to think their course of action is kind of set in stone at this point. They know what they want to do, yeah. whether they want to fully commit to Jordan love is the future or, you know, let's, let's do everything we can to bring Aaron Rodgers back. What if, uh, what if loves throws for six touchdowns and then the Packers trade him for a first and a fourth. Yeah. To the sure. Seahawks. Great. Let's do to it. The, to the Seahawks. Cause, cause they're going to need a quarterback. So yeah, man. Uh, let's let history repeat. It's a glorious thing. <laughs> Did we talk about Matt Flynn's just tremendous tweet when somebody was like, remember when <laughs> Seattle paid you all that money? And his response was, hell yeah, that was that awesome. Was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What a king. All right. Uh, this is from Ryan Ziegler. When Green Bay and Dallas face off at Lambeau, it's going to be McCarthy's bad clock management that sees Green Bay move on, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, he can't help himself. He can't get out of his own way. Um, I, I don't want that game to happen, but if it does, that's what will happen. Like, the Cowboys will play a, a pretty good game, and it'll get down to, like, a last possession situation, and they will screw up the clock management slash game management, and the Packers will win it. So, yeah, that's what will happen. I can't put my head in a space where Dallas eliminates. Dallas with Mike McCarthy eliminates this Packers team from the postseason at Lambeau Field. It just, oh my gosh, it's just a conflagration of takes that I are not, I can't, I can't even do it. That is a polluted mindset. It's like anything. <laughs> it's like it's anything. Like, I should stay positive whenever possible. That's right. Oh my, I'm a highly successful <laughs> football coach. Paul just deleted another who is John Galt question. It was, oh, somebody it was, else. It was from Steve. <laughs> Who Steve. is John Galt? Steve Garcinski, Steve Garcinski wants to know who is John Galt. We already explained uh, who John Galt is. I'm guessing is. he's a long snapper because I've yeah. never I've never heard of him. So he's he's I don't know John Gotti. <laughs> John Gotti's younger brother, John Galt. All right, Jonathan Deal asks: Is resting your starters really the way to go when there's nothing to play for, or are Packers fans just traumatized from over a decade ago? Also, which offensive <laughs> lineman play was better, Bradbury or Dan Connolly? Uh, 
I mean, Bradbury caught a 21-yard pass. So in my Dan mind, Dan Connolly returned to kick 70 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Dan yeah. Connolly. I, I honestly do. But Dan Connolly's play is, of course, better. But like, it hurts. That one hurts. The Bradbury thing is just fun little, you know, little Americana. It's fine with me. Without Dan Connolly, the Packers would have a victory over the Tom Brady Patriots with Matt Flynn as the quarterback. Yep. By the way, uh, going back to Steve's question really quickly, um, John Galt was a pitcher for the Tucson Old Pueblos uh, <laughs> in 1915. So there's your answer. I had an Old Pueblos hat once. No, I didn't. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so I, anyway, he, he's he's asking about resting the starters. That's the hot topic right now. You know, we've written about it at JS Online. There's just a lot of, you know, the, the players want to play a little bit. The three weeks off does seem like kind of a bad situation. But how much are they going to play? Like, what what do you feel like? I, I think uh, I could see it going half and half. I think it's probably just going to be like a quarter. I, think I don't know. I think it'll be a quarter. Like, it'll be like the the old school last pre or third preseason game. The starters will get like a quarter, a drive. If anything at all scary happens, that will end immediately, and then they're going to come out, and that's it. And um, th- I don't think there's any good data on this at all in terms of whether it's smarter to play people or you get rusty or anything. Like, I literally don't think it exists. Well, I think the data exists to show that there's no correlation whatsoever. Th- there you is go. What, yeah. That's what you mean, I think. That's what I mean. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and so all things being equal, you'd rather have time to get healthy and it, you still practice. Like, it, it's not like you, you, people are sitting around doing nothing. Like, it, it, we say that there's rust and, yes, game action matters, but these guys are still playing football even when they're not having games. So um, there shouldn't be that much rust, and it's better to make sure that you have all of your important players for the playoffs versus, you know, having your best receiver blow out his knee like the Cowboys did. Well, second best receiver. Or, um, you know, having Antonio Brown lose his mind randomly <laughs> during a game. Um, you know, th- those things happen and they're bad and they ruin your season. So you don't want that above all else. I have some bad news about the Tucson Old Pueblos. What's that? <laughs> um, they are now known as the Tucson Toros. Okay. And they are an ind- They uh, ceased to exist in 2011. They were an independent affiliate. Okay. Well, RIP um, to the old Pueblos. They were AAA for 40 years. Yeah. It's pretty good. I want to say AAA Tucson. I want to say the Brewers might have had an affiliation there. Is that back when Travis Smith was the first pick of the <laughs> Diamondbacks or, or Rays? I don't remember. But before they were full fledged franchises, they got to draft a, a few guys. And Travis Smith didn't have a minor league home because they didn't have a full fledged minor league affiliate tree set up yet. And so he played for the Brewers. And I think that might have been with the Toros. Now, I could be crossing up a whole bunch of stuff, but look, but we'll have to look that up. Travis Smith was his name. Top pick for, I want to say the Diamondbacks, but I, I don't, I don't quite remember which team. Um, anyway, speaking of Antonio Brown, really disappointed. I was going to take my shirt off halfway through this podcast and forgot to do so. <laughs> opportunity. Scott Hattenbach asked, is there any parallel universe where it's defensible for LaFleur to play starters this weekend in Detroit? So uh, yes. they are going to force feed Devontae to get records. Well, that's yeah. That's I don't even know if that's that defensible. So, I, I I mean, there is there is these the way of thinking that you don't want to you want to keep uh, having guys get action to maintain momentum and not get rusty. But like I said, I don't think it's true. So, um, ooh, 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 coaches know idea. coaches know better than I do, though. That's the thing. I've got an idea. The Packers only play the first quarter. So then that way, when they play in their next game, it's the second quarter, and they won't suck at the beginning. Hey, oh, there's there a tip. I love it. Get it out of the Get way. Get that shit out of your system. <laughs> well, 
Well done. Well Love done. It. I I think it comes down to because there's no data to suggest that it's bad or good. It just comes down to like the mental state of your guys. Are they going to have a problem with yep. with not playing three weeks? Then let them play. If they're fine with it, then let them be fine with it and keep them healthy. Like I don't know. It's a, it's a hard read because you don't often get the, into this situation where you have this much, you know, this much leeway. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Discord questions. We go with coffee addict here. David Moore, legit punt kick returner at last? Question mark. Yep. This qu- this question doomed us to not get David Moore back. It did, but still the answer is yes. So that's fine. We he, could still see David Moore play. That's yeah. his time. Missing, to get the, out of the, missing the Detroit game doesn't matter unless they do something stupid. Um, that's that's all. So yes, he's legit. He's good. They should keep him. Uh, Jerry Eldred asks two weeks in a row with no embarrassing special teams blunders. Question mark. Question mark. Uh, yeah, so, question mark sure. exclamation point it doesn't mean they're good now but <laughs> it does show that special teams doesn't always rear its head sometimes um it just doesn't come up during a game you can improve it like they have with david moore and you know sometimes mason just makes the kick work so uh, those things all happen and you know bojo did honk that punt and if it wasn't the vikings maybe that matters a lot more um but uh, <laughs> sorry did you just say honk honk yeah he honked it <laughs> It's a hell of a verb. That's the noise that goes in my head when you miss a kick off the side of your foot. So, <laughs> on the rundown, that's the end of questions. By the way, on yeah. the rundown, you, you kind of already pre-wrote a description of this episode, yes, and uh, I'm not sure we quite answered this part of it. Oh no, the, re- the real cost of Kirk Cousins not playing. Oh yeah, we should talk about it that. Was six that way, points. I, that way, I don't have to edit things. It's not so six hilari- points. Though. It's not six points. Hilariously, uh-huh. Kirk Cousins being announced out only moved the line six points. Yeah, but it costs a lot more than that because. They were still alive for the playoffs if they win this game, and they had no chance without him. And so it cost like many, many millions of dollars to the Vikings franchise potentially to not have him get vaccinated and miss this game. Because um, oh. I mean, also- you, you could say like, "Oh, but they went to one with him," but they won last time with him, so it certainly was possible. And uh, it's it, it, like if if you're the Vikings ownership, you should be really mad at this, like really, really, really mad. Like he cost you real money by missing this game because he didn't want to get vaccinated. So. Um. Yeah. Was it the Star Tribune that had a scathing editorial that was just in no it uncertain was. terms? Yeah. They should drop him. He he failed this organization. A lot of people to blame, but but particularly Kirk Cousins. They should absolutely cut ties with him. But here's the thing, man. If they cut him, it costs just as it's much. Worse. To cut him. He's guaranteed. His money is guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, they just yep. so back the wrong if, horse. Even if they they post June one, cut him. Uh, it's $45 million in dead money. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, the Packers already won next year's NFC North. So <laughs> to, next year's Kirk Cousins cap number is half of his entire contract's cap number. Yeah. Yeah. And guaranteed. They, like He has so much leverage. Like he, he, if he wants to push for an extension, they almost have to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me ask a question because bigger picture is some rumbling rumination that Aaron Rodgers might actually be happy here. And, you know, Devonte Adams is, I think kind of saying it without saying it, or just saying it directly that his future is he, he wants to go where Aaron Rodgers goes or, or, you know, at the very least he will be here if Aaron Rodgers is here. And if not, then everything's on the table. What do you, as far as where, where this stands, do you, uh, do you buy into it at all that maybe we're getting to a point where, and I guess the bigger question I have for you is what does that look like? Because financially that seems like such a, a difficult proposition. You know, we just talked about all the trouble that Minnesota would be in fi- is in financially. Yep. Well, what would it look like if the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Where do they have to suffer elsewhere? So, a couple things. First of all, um, it's 
it's easier to trade Aaron next year because of what the restructure that happened, but it's not easy at all. Um, I, I think it's Andrew Brandt who always says, um, they, Aaron has decided what he'll be paid and the Packers get to decide where he will play, something like that. That, that hasn't changed at all. Um, and I still don't buy that he wants to come back. I will never believe anything Aaron Rodgers tells me. Um, and, you know, I want to see what he actually does. But I mean, but okay. On that note, yeah. Have you know? Have you noticed he's been doing the whole immunized versus vaccinated talk in his praise of the team? Uh, Aaron no. loves Aaron loves football. Aaron loves playing. Aaron yeah. thinks this year is special. Uh-huh. He's happy going to work. Yes. He never says anything directly. I love playing in Green, Green Bay. Bay. Like you're you're right about that. He is always. I don't, I don't think he thinks about it that much, but he is always very indirect with his words pretty much all the time. Yes. Um, so they can keep both of them. Um, they can put out void years forever. They can run extensions. It will screw their cap for many years to come. But um, honestly, it's probably worth it because you don't get Aaron Rodgers and your team every day. Um, and it, it would take away a lot of their sort of middling depth that they have right now. So the team would be noticeably worse if they bring both of them back they would lose um they would lose a couple smiths um they, <laughs> um a- anybody who's like halfway decent on the team essentially would not be affordable anymore um so it would be a stars and scrubs team coming back for a second run and uh it would hurt quite a bit but they can do it it's just it's it's a matter of making choices and deciding how many udfas and late round picks you can go with 2018 all over again baby let's yep, go no mbs no um i mean that might not be the worst thing in the world anyway well but... sure and even the smiths i mean obviously preston's having a great year but i don't think anybody really imagines he'll be back next year nobody no. thinks he's back because because they already signed nick perry once right and and zadarius <laughs> smith is another one. i mean obviously with the injury but i don't know if he'll no, be back anyway no russell douglas he's gone in this scenario um <sighs> Well, isn't why is Razul more expensive? Because he's more. He's going to be a free agent, I believe. Got, yeah. Okay. Okay. Razul's only only through the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, they would have to find another Razul Douglas on somebody else's practice squad. I mean, they'd have to get really, they'd have to be oh, really yeah. creative. Find these street yeah, yeah. agents that are elite <laughs> starters in the NFL. And if NFC player of the months are just growing on trees. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, all right, so I could see that being being a challenge, but again, like. Even if Aaron Rodgers leaves and Devontae leaves, we just just mentioned how bad the North is next year. Like it's kind of easy <laughs> to win. So I, I I feel like that's also part of the calculus for for either way. Maybe they decide you know what let's do one more year because we got it, or they're like let's move on because we might win this division anyway, and then we can build for year two, three, four after that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, like I think that will probably enter into the calculation a little bit. Um, uh, also, on the other hand, next year is not necessarily a good year to like tank. Not that you want to, you have Jordan Love, you want to see what you got there, but they almost won't be able to help winning like six games, no matter how bad they decide to be. So um, it is actually a, a pretty good year to go for it again because um, you're going to be like assured a playoff. It's going to be one of those years where you can like probably lose Aaron half the season with a collarbone injury and still make the playoffs. And uh, shout uh, out to Matt Flynn. Yep. And uh, again, you know, if you can do that, it's worth taking another shot. So. Um, I, I don't know. It, I'm still stuck on Jr. saying that's part of the calculus, which then immediately reminds me of the terrible MTV made-for-TV movie Together. Together, yes. <laughs> really, Jr. You don't it's, know that. 
J- Jer, it's about a fictional boy band. And it's our time, not Matt's. I'm surprised you yeah, seen it. Yeah, sorry, Atlas Shrugged and MTV's Together <laughs> just uh, <laughs> flew the, under the my big, radar. The big song of it is I, I, I Know My Calculus. I Know You Plus Me Equals Us. So. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the <Yeah>. big song. <laughs> Matab, that's your. Maybe you aren't smart. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I just never know where I fall with that guy. That, that <laughs> fell out of bed. So yeah. we have established that I have tapioca brain. Sometimes you hit something <laughs> solid, and sometimes it's just mush. All right. All right, Let's guys, we got here. it. Um, all right. Before we go, Jr. Any plugs? Oh, I did my usual, like, who are the likeliest uh, the likeliest foes in the divisional round, now that we know that the Packers have that first round by MVP odds again. Aaron Rodgers is very good. For those who don't follow anything besides the Packers, uh, Wisconsin Badgers alumnus TJ Watt is going to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year yep. uh, after a couple top two finishes the last two years. And he is actually on the cusp of the NFL single season sack record, yeah. which has stood since 2001. Now, there's the caveat. There's a 17th game this year so there's one more chance also notable that tj watt has been hurt a couple games he's only played in 14 so he'll have only 15 also next week against screw the caveats on the sack record right it's i mean brett Favre yeah. is a caveat <laughs> brett Favre gave that sack up <laughs> right right so he's at 20 and a half right now or uh 21 and a half right now if he gets one sack next week he'll have uh matched the, the new sack record and uh more than that he'll he'll have it so uh, it's it's a pretty cool thing. It's got to go a little higher if you follow Football Reference. You know the the stats officially in the NFL rulebook only go back to 1982. Football Reference can go back much further than yep. that. So there is somebody who's got one more sack, 23 sacks, uh, back in 1978. So that's still uh, within reach though as well. So I, just a really cool thing. T.J. Watt. I covered him in high school. Uh, I remember when he was a sophomore. I believe the first play I saw, he botched an onside kick. It wasn't the first play of the first <laughs> game. And I was like, you know, this kid, he's he's tall. He's kind of built like young JJ, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, what do you know about a sophomore in high school? But definitely yep. wasn't thinking that kid uh, is going to be a future NFL defensive player of the year and potential sack record holder. So uh, fo- I'll be following that, of course. And would love to see Jonathan Taylor win offensive player of the year and, and have the Badgers sweep. The, the two uh, player of the year categories. I think that'd be really, really cool for a Badgers program that isn't thought of as like elite NFL machine necessarily. Uh, they've certainly had some good ones. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's what I wrote about. I don't, I don't know if I have anything else cooking at the moment, but uh, obviously we have tons of Packers coverage at jsonline.com. I'll, I'll, my time to shine. Cause there's a couple weeks going by here where there's not much. So that's what, that's where I come in to come, come up with some, <laughs> some funny stuff. By the way, that was Al Baker, who is the unofficial sack leader yes. uh, for single season with 23 um, for the Detroit Lions in his rookie season. So um, an impressive total that he never matched. Yeah. Actually, he was dominant for three seasons and then kind of fell off a cliff. But uh, Al- uh, is that a, That's not a 16-game season, is it? 1978? It is. Yes, it is. It is. It okay. Is, okay. Yeah. Just barely. Okay. Matt, you got anything? Um, today, John Meerdink of Acme Packing Company and the Power Sweep put out a very nice thread about why you should start a podcast if you feel like it. Um, and that caused me that caused me to unearth the single greatest piece of content I've ever created. Oh, yeah. The time in 2010, I prank called an Apple store to complain about my iPad. Um, highly recommend it. It was created because I was on a podcast back then of just a bunch of idiots. And it, it, but it it allowed me to have the mic work to come in here and be competent. All right. So it, it led to what we all enjoy today. Yes. Got it. 
you you doing so, a jerky boys impression is why we have supporting us all. Yeah, well, I, I I put on like this Minnesota accent oh, and I called God. to complain about my iPad and iTunes and <laughs> sounds extremely stupid. Wow, it was very stupid, but it is hilarious. <laughs> okay, well, says the guy who created the go, bit. Go check that out. Um, at, as for me, at my Shepherd Express column, recapping the Vikings game and previewing what's gonna the Lions game um, up there now. Um, I'll have something for APC later this week, stat-wise. I'll probably do something actually on, on playoff odds since their DVOA went up a lot. That's good. And uh, I was, uh, of course, on Cheesehead TV's um, uh, Carry, the Carry, the Carry the G. Thank you. Carry the G with AJ Dillon. Um, and uh, you'll hear that in a minute as well. But go check that out. You can actually see what I look like if you want. If you don't catch Matt's screenshots <laughs> of us and don't know, um, you can actually go do that i don't recommend it but you can if you want um so th- that'll <laughs> like no um, it's just offensive it's it, offensive. it is offensive so uh, that'll wrap it up for us um i'll have the mini pod later this week previewing the lions although i i don't know what i'm going to tell you statistically about the damn lions but i'll come up with something <laughs> and uh i i also i, I got myself some better technology uh, over the holidays and so soon we will be doing um the APC Discord plays Tecmo Super Bowl. So that will be happening soon as well. Um, anyway, um, see you guys next week. Enjoy the game. stuff uh finally we got paul noonan joining us paul from acme packing company paul what do you got for uh what do you got for aj paul hey aj Uh, and thanks again for taking the time out for this um really do appreciate it um so first thing like uh, when i'm watching a game i sort of take note of like the normal packer plays and it seemed like in this last game that uh there were quite a few plays that we hadn't seen before at least very much a lot of those involved both you and aaron jones on the field at the same time so first, uh, do you do you like the plays where you're both out there together? And do you think uh, that Matt opened up the playbook a little more for this game, and that we might see a little bit uh, a little bit more of that going forward, especially next week since everything's wrapped up? Yeah, uh, you know, one thing I will say is we got a lot of we got a lot of tools, uh, you know, in the shed. We got a lot of stuff in there, and so it is fun when sometimes <laughs> we break them out. But you know, we we do have to study them all. <laughs> And so everybody else is like, oh, we've never seen that before. I'm like, whew, you guys have seen the other stuff we got. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's great. I think uh, Coach LaFleur and the coaching staff, you know, Hackett, all those guys do a good job of pulling stuff out when we need it. Um, but we, we, we got a lot. We got a lot of weapons. We got a lot of different looks we can pull out throughout this run. And, uh, you know, it's always great to be out there with Jonesy. Um, I always talk about it. My big brother or whatever, you see him in the background, but you know, it's great to it's great to be out there at the same time because it does put defenses in a tough situation. You know, I hate talking about, you know, myself, but talking about both of us together. Um, you know, you got two different styles of backs, but can both do both, both like both can run away from you, both can run over you. And you got one potentially going on the outside, one potentially going for a pass, one potentially blocking, one potentially running. And so it does definitely put the defense in a bind. And uh, I do feel like we had some success with that when both of us were out there. And, you know, it's also fun to do. Janet talked about backyard football. Um, That's what that felt like, you know, kind of like when you're you're doing a pickup football back in uh, elementary and you're at recess and you got the two best players. 
at your recess and you're like, oh, both of you got to play running back because back then everybody <laughs> back. Like, all right, go. So, you know, it was fun. Yep. Um, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, kind of on the backyard football note, um, in the Packer offense, kind of anybody can end up in the backfield at any given time um, at either position. So um, out of anybody who plays, uh, you know, in the running back spot, receiver, tight end, or you guys, who's the best lead blocker on the team? Lead blocker. Yep. Ooh. Ah, I got to go big dog. I got to go big dog. I wanted to say Alan Lazard. I wanted to throw Josiah in there again. But you got to go big dog. I mean, this guy just moves people. I don't know, like, if it's always highlighted because I, I never really watch the TV copies and stuff like that. But there's sometimes, like, he's just throwing around, like, all pro defenders, <laughs> like, DNs. And, like, these guys are, like, they'll be in, like, their fifth year. Like, they're studs. Don't get me wrong. Pro Bowl, whatever. What, what year is he in? 15, 16, whatever. And he's 16. still ragged. He's ragged on him, throwing him out the club. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you are a different breed. You are really different. And so it is cool to be on a team with somebody like that. I mean, just, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just big dog. This is what he does. And so uh, definitely, if there's anybody, if I'm getting a run play and it's fourth and one, and like, you need to get this. This is for the Super Bowl. This is for the Super Bowl. Who do you want in front of you? Big dog. Absolutely. All right. I, I love watching Mercedes Lewis just block, but also whenever he catches the ball, it seems like he's just angry at anybody who tries to tackle him. So I lo- <laughs> love watching that guy. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, so on your on your second touchdown in this game, um, three, three Vikings had a pretty good shot at you. Um, and it seemed like the cold might be starting to get to people a little bit at that point. And I wanted to know, like, can you start to tell when the cold is starting to sort of impact, um, the other side, especially, but, but anybody like, do you start to lick your chops a little bit when, you know, they're down on the other side, they've been in five degree weather all game, and now they have to deal with you coming at them with a full head of steam. Absolutely. Um, just kind of like how I mentioned earlier, it's all. I'm not going to be the type to say, you know, the cold's all a mindset. Like, no, it is cold. It's definitely cold. Everybody feels it cold. But, you know, the mindset part is, you know, how much you allow that cold to affect your game and affect your job. Um, You're still cold. I still couldn't feel my fingers, just like everybody up there in the stand. I still, whatever. I was still trying to get the heater when I was on the sideline. But, you know, and I do feel like I have an advantage just, you know, being from the East Coast and playing in cold environments before. Um, so I am used to um, that. But, you know, if you can outlast that uh, and, and you do start to start to lean on people, just it's literally that's when you get to just like old, like your idea of like old school, old fashioned football, just yeah. other teams just start to, you know, ah, start to you, see, you start to see the business decisions in people's heads. Yep. Not always like they're not going to tackle you. They'll still tackle you, but instead of going in, lowering their shoulders, it's more arm tackles, and they're trying to wrap your ankle so you can't move. And it's more of a push, for, like they're trying to push you with their hand rather than tackle you. And so, you know, you just keep leaning on them, leaning on them. It's three yards, it's four yards, it's two yards, it's three yards. And then eventually, shoot, I think the longest run I had yesterday was nine yards, but you know it's just that kind of demoralizing thing and like i said i'm not a stat guy i don't care if the longest run i have in my career is the 36 yarder against chicago <laughs> you know if we're still getting first down to we're still winning that it gets the job done so you know it's great to see uh you know it's great to see that as an offense and 
you know, anytime you also have, as it also makes my job a lot easier when you got Devontae and, you know, all those guys in the receiver room and 12 back there who, uh, you know, gets, gets a nod as MVP for me, uh, just doing this thing. So it's awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, so I'm a University of Wisconsin alum. A lot of my friends are as well. Uh, and I uh, was just looking through some old tweets. I know you had an offer from Wisconsin. And I was wondering if you seriously considered going there or if it was just BC all the way. No, no. I, I seriously consider Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I was so looking, uh, going back to that, I had an initial top five. And I believe it was Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Michigan, Florida State, and Virginia. BC was even my top five uh, schools going into my junior <laughs> year. And I went on visits to all of them besides Florida State, like uh, unofficials. And I had, like, I did, ha I had a really bad visit to Wisconsin. And I always talk about all right. this. Uh, in my class, you know, at the time, the coaching staff said they were only going to take one running back. You know, and at the time, uh, JT, Jonathan uh, yep. Taylor was committed to Rutgers. And I was going to go, like, at the time, I was, like, their number one guy to pick, at least that's what the coaching staff was saying. And when I committed to Michigan, uh, JT uh, switched over to, from Rutgers to Wisconsin. So my uh, my father-in-law always gives me uh, crap about it. He's like, you could have been the greatest <laughs> running back in Wisconsin of all time. Like, da -da -da. you see those linemen, what they do. And trust me, when I was at beat, like, I was watching the highlights and I'm watching the Wisconsin running uh, linemen run 30 yards downfield, pushing <laughs> safeties. I'm like, ah, nice. But, uh, but uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, no, I did commit to uh, Michigan first and then I decommitted and went to BC um, just for, just, I just want to be close to home. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going yeah. on in my hometown when I committed and I wanted to show people that, you know, you can get your dreams accomplished from, you know, wherever you're at. And uh, it was close enough that people could come up, drive two hours to come see me, and you know, look at us now. We're here on Cheesehead <laughs> TV, so I made oh, it. Oh yeah, yep. I made it. <laughs> Living that Wisconsin life. Not only did Paul find that tweet, I love that. That is old school. That tweet of you getting the the offer from Wisconsin, but he also found your updated profile for Tecmo Super Bowl. Are you kidding me with this, Paul? What the hell is this? I I, I know Tecmo Super Bowl. So I used to play it when I was. <laughs> a much younger man what is going on with aj dylan and tecmo super bowl so long long before madden never existed tecmo super bowl was the most popular football video game to exist and there is a dedicated group of homebrewers who updates it every year and you can get it for free on a computer i always buy the actual thing this is the most the latest one so um uh, if you've never seen yourself rendered in eight-bit football, that's what uh, that's what they popped up <laughs> on the screen. Hey, I love before. it. I need, I need it now. <laughs> and uh, it, it, they do a, they do a good job. I think your picture is not quite what I had envisioned it looking like, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> there it is. But you know, it's it's made by that's a bunch of awesome. devoted guys who do it for every single player in the NFL. So we'll cut them a little slack. <laughs> hey, no, I love it. That's awesome. I mean, uh, hopefully my stats are better than they are. Madden, Madden, I think I'm still 78. Yeah, they're still what? they're still a little low in Tecmo just because you know, they make it before yeah. the season. I'm sure next no, year they'll they'll like double Madden, you up. Madden, I'm a 78. And my Oof. catching is a 64. Oh well, that's wow. just rude. They, they, they must have talked to DFS <laughs> before. That's preposterous, yeah, AJ. They must have talked to Yep. Exactly. Well, you know, we're we're gonna we have a campaign 
ready to roll out this offseason to make sure that that never happens again. And that travesty is completely. The only campaign care. I got rolling out this offseason is my mayoral campaign. You'll oh, see me in Short County. Oh, naturally. Going town to town. <laughs> Dressing the flesh. I do no kissing babies. Yep. I, I do stats for the <laughs> for I do stats for our site, and as of now, you're second in yards per target among running backs. So um it <laughs> PFF Boom. could not have been more wrong. Boom. Use my 